0: Welcome to Symmetry Between Takes, a platform for humans to explore the hearts and minds of individuals all over the world through conversation. Symmetry. Symmetry is free. Symmetry is equal. Symmetry is balanced. Connection. Connection through speech create balance. Symmetry is you and me. (laughs) Yeah. Do you use these in your yoga classes?
1: Um, no. I've thought about it. At Green Lotus, we have the big, the real deal, you know?
0: mm. The
1: glass singing bowls. But I've always felt kind of worried that I would be trying to create like a tranquil space and then it would end up being like a super disruptive, horrible noise. <laughs> you break the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, if I practice, eventually maybe I'll use one. Have you ever experienced a sound bath?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: It's pretty cool. Um, when I lived in California, I went to this yoga studio. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a very, like, hippie, you know, singing bowl-heavy yoga studio. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. (laughs) A hippie yoga studio? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: What?
0: Okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. Joining me for this episode is Isabel Josephine Theobald. She's a Mm -hmm. yoga instructor... An artist and a dancer. She's also my girlfriend. Isabel and I found one another in the yoga studio about a year and a half ago, and we've pretty much been inseparable ever since. The following conversation took place about a month ago. After a beautiful walk around the lake on a Tuesday afternoon, her and I came back to the house, sat down, turned on the microphones, and started chatting. In this episode, you'll learn a little bit about her childhood, her journey in yoga, some hobbies she's picked up along the way, and some really cool volunteer work she's been involved in. Isabel is such a light to everybody in her life, always positive, encouraging, and pretty funny. She continues to inspire me every day, so I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did.
1: Was your high school big?
0: no no I think the entire graduating class well the entire school it got no higher than like 500 people like I think it was like 470 people maybe
1: that's like how big mine mine was actually smaller but it was also only juniors and seniors
0: yeah what was the deal with yours yours was like a dorm. like you had a dorm
1: yeah I lived in a dorm
0: in high school
1: junior and senior year yeah what
0: was that about
1: So it was an art high school. I remember being confused whether or not it was like a private school or not. And it wasn't because it was funded by the state, but you had to like audition. So that's why it was kind of confusing. And it used to be a college and then they turned it into the high school. So they had dorms. Basically, if you lived far enough away, you could live in the dorms. And where was this? Golden Valley. Golden
0: Valley. We're located in Minneapolis, so where is that in...
1: Golden Valley is just, like, west of here. Not far at all. Like, it's basically in Minneapolis. Yeah.
0: Is it city-like? Or is it, like, r- r- rural?
1: <laughs> rural? R- rural. <laughs> or is it rural? Um, Golden Valley is... it's It's a suburb of Minneapolis. Like, you know, there's neighborhoods, and then you're Pretty much like down the street from Minneapolis.
0: So you've always been in like a alternative sort of schooling.
1: Yeah, I've never gone to a normal yeah.
0: school. because you were homeschooled.
1: Homeschooled. Yep. Until Belly, I was, Belly
0: and I are homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we get random. along. That's why we get along so well. I know. But that wasn't even. That was more than a homeschool. It was like a like a commune, right?
1: Yeah, we called it a co-op. It was very much so like a cult, I guess, but not in like a scary way. Commune is (laughs) better than cult.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. let's stay away from cult. (laughs) It It was like a good cult.
1: Yeah, it was a good cult. Are there good cults? I don't know. This one was fine.
0: Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was the name of it?
1: Willow Pond Farm Center for the Arts and Sciences.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like saying that name and I was all... <sighs>
1: <laughs> it kind of just came out because we called it Willow Pond. Like that's what I always said.
0: I feel like that's what I have heard I Yeah, before. I feel
1: like I haven't said that full name in so long. I didn't even...
0: Do you miss saying no, that No, I
1: remembered it. No, it just like came out of my mouth that I was like, oh yeah, that is what it was called.
0: Yeah. So a bunch of parents in the surrounding areas would like put money into this commune cult school?
1: Yeah, so like one family, Scotia's parents, my best friend is named Scotia, and her parents, they were both science teachers and they decided they were going to homeschool their kids and they wanted to find like a community of people to do it with so they kind of just like started. Uh, Jean is also a music teacher so she was like teaching music and then they decided to like offer a science class because that was their expertise and it kind of just worked out. I think a lot of the right people ended up there at the right time um, in terms of like the parents so they all banded together and put money into it. Everyone kind of taught what they could teach, like my dad <clears throat> taught math. My mom was like the, the gym teacher, essentially. Yeah. She did like, I mean, my mom did everything. She did so many things there, but she was kind of like the physical education lady. And we had a lot of really amazing art teachers. It was heavily art and science, but kind of everything.
0: So how did you all find each other?
1: I mean, I was such a little kid that I don't fully know, but I know that my mom started going to some, like, group, like, mom group thing. I Mm. think it was for, like, nursing or babies or something. Yeah. And so she met some of the women, some of the moms that ended up joining, like, Dory, the Holties. Yep. Yep mom and then a couple others and it was just kind of like a bunch of people who kind of knew, someone knew Jean and then it just kind of all got synced up and everyone had a very like like like-minded idea of what they wanted, how they wanted their kids to grow
0: up. Yeah, because usually with homeschool, it's either like the hippie route or the super religious (coughs) route. Yeah. What was, like, the common denominator between all you guys? Was that you just didn't like the school system out there, or...?
1: I think it was really just that all of the parents kind of had a really solid skill set to teach their kids. And it worked. And I said earlier, you and I were walking and talking earlier, and I was like, yeah, I didn't really do school. But that's kind of a lie. Like, I, I didn't do school at home, but at Willow Pond i did like especially science lots of science which was really cool i really liked science as a child
0: are you glad that you were homeschooled or
1: yeah i think i really wouldn't change anything about that aspect of my childhood it was pretty awesome like the way that i grew up with other kids because we were like there's a lot of kids in general we were all very like mixed together and it was cool because we were all kind of like siblings and the older kids very much so kind of raised the younger kids and it was cool
0: i mean i'm i think about that sometimes too like one what is it that a homeschool or unschool or communal cult school can provide to a kid as opposed to going to public school because there's there's aspects of I guess my personality that I attribute to the fact that I was homeschooled. I struggle to sometimes see it in other people who are homeschooled until like we really start talking about it. Like it's not mm-hmm. like I feel like there's a preconceived notion that people who are homeschooled are socially awkward, but it's almost the opposite. Like it's yeah. I've I've noticed that people at least that I've met that have been homeschooled end up being more socially adaptable in a way at least like they're like bizarre and like a quirky outgoing way yeah I think yeah.
1: a lot of it might be that some of those traits if you had a good experience like you and I did some of those like unique traits that people have don't get like bullied out of you I don't know
0: what the well it's got to be so intense for like to just throw a kid like if we're talking about public school just to like throw a kid who is maybe naturally shy and quiet just throw them into a building with like 1500 kids. Yeah. And just leave them to their own devices and be like, "You know, you're a kid, go to school." But those kids that are naturally quiet, you know, introverted, it's probably got to be crazy overstimulating for them to be around all these kids running around like crazy, being wacky and mean and yeah, I mean I don't know I don't want to make it sound like I think that public school is a nightmare I could just I feel like it should be considered well I think that people are fortunate to be able to consider whether or not it's a suitable environment for their children I know some kids just have to go to school they don't get the choice like I think that you and I were lucky that you know our parents had the time to do that it would be nice if you know there was different variations of public schooling like i don't know it's like hey this is a school that's mostly like theater kids and like this is a school that is catered more towards like athletes and
1: well that's pretty much what my high school was because yes. it was a public school and it was all art people i mean that was the only reason you went there you know
0: okay so there's many there's many skill sets talents that you have so (laughs) yeah well you know what order would you put those art forms that you're most interested in I feel like I've asked you this before but you know hopefully uh, um
1: we're talking now not me in high school
0: I guess it would change by the day well let's let's start at high school
1: in high school, because, how did I de- identify as an artist?
0: Well, I heard... Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I think of you in high school as an artist as like a, as like a, like a, a drawer, someone mm. who draws. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I've always, my entire life, well before I could read or write or anything. Also, I was dyslexic, so that came really <laughs> late. But still, like as a tiny little child, I always drew and painted. And in high school... I thought of myself as a dancer for sure, because I went to school with a bunch of visual artists, and I didn't, I didn't really show anyone that I did visual art for the most part, mm-hmm. apart from my super close friends. Um, so is
0: that what it's called, visual art? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a easy umbrella term. Yeah, it's, like, it's
0: like as umbrella as it gets. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> umbrella term,
1: but. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Visual art. So, medium being, like, mainly drawing and painting, right? What I mean,
1: do. that's what I think of. But, I mean, I suppose it could also be, like, pottery or yeah. sculpture or, you know, whatever.
0: When did the yoga come into play?
1: Really? I mean, my very, very first exposure to yoga, I was a little kid. Like, I was probably, like, five or six Um, and my mom was taking a yoga class and so that was like the first time I was ever exposed to a yoga class and I really liked it I actually don't have any memory of any yoga I just remember the teacher was really nice and I enjoyed the like vibe so that was my first uh, experience with yoga after that, it was in high school, and it was my dance teacher, Mary Harding. She taught yoga at Purpich, and it was the only... If you needed a like gym credit to graduate, the only thing you could do was take yoga. It was the only thing offered. <laughs> <laughs> so most people were forced to take yoga, which in hindsight is like pretty awesome, I think. Oh, yeah. And most people fell in love with it, honestly, like because Mary was just, she's a really special person. So that was when I fell in love with yoga, was when I was a junior in high school.
0: said that you had kind of just grown up doing yoga when did it change into something that changed your life like when did it shift into like a
1: i didn't grow up doing it but i guess since i was 16 i did it
0: yeah i mean you've been doing it for you know almost half your life right
1: well i mean almost 10 years oh yeah yeah
0: my math is horrible (laughs) yeah really way (laughs) off (laughs) You're 35, right? (laughs) But, um,
1: to answer your question, when did yoga turn into something that changed my life? Right. When it totally changed my life was honestly after my bad breakup. And it was because I was already pretty... The practice of yoga, like it was pretty, pretty solid in my life at that point. And then... When something catastrophic happened, it was kind of like all I had was yoga.
0: Do you feel like it could have been anything at that time that would have helped you? Because I know, you know, you and I exercise a lot. You know, like it could have been. Yeah,
1: I think it could have been, but I mean, you know how yoga brings something there's a whole other layer that yoga brings that like weightlifting although it is awesome for your mental health and you know definitely provides something in terms of the mental but yoga just has kind of a different different level
0: i mean but how would you explain that to us? i mean say someone's listening right now and they've never they've never worked out or they've never done yoga yeah. like what is it that I you think mean
1: to make it like not sound like a misty, weird concept? It's just breathing like it's just that there's so much emphasis and focus on your breath in yoga that it teaches you how to breathe and but more importantly it teaches you how to breathe through discomfort Mm. and I think that that was like the thing that makes me feel like I can say something as dramatic as like yoga saved my life but it's because it like because you you do that all the time when you're doing yoga just on a physical level you're in poses that are your muscles are burning and shaking and you just keep breathing so then when emotionally you're in pain that you've never felt before and then you have something that helps you breathe through it and it's not like that simple and it's not that like it's not just like oh you just breathe through it but but it is real like it you it does provide that
0: it's a rewiring yeah because it's counterintuitive to when you feel discomfort to like want to shy away from it Mm mm-hmm But I think that what I've learned through yoga, it's like you lean into the fact that it's really hard to remain calm in this very tense, painful situation. And I think that those are lessons that I was learning before I even realized it. Honestly, I think I had a similar situation to you. I was going through a breakup and I kind of just got obsessed with yoga, but I didn't know why. I was like, I think I was just obsessed with staying busy. I think that's... Mm -hmm. And I was working out, too, and running, and I was like, yoga kind of just fit into that. And I think there was some small part of me that wanted to take on a new identity. Like, I kind of wanted to reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. But also, it wasn't a drastic change to maybe what I viewed myself as. I always viewed myself as someone who was athletic or spiritual or whatever you want to call it. You know, having... Dreadlocks, or whatever I think that I... Whatever I gravitate towards naturally, I guess a more earthy lifestyle. I felt like it fit my narrative, but at the same time, it was something I was fully willing to just like embrace and go for. Mm-hmm. Other activities didn't really offer that to me at the time, so I didn't really know how it was going to benefit me as much as I knew that I would benefit from devoting my time to something that was good for me. So then when I would do it all the time, I became really comfortable with discomfort. It all started to make sense as like a philosophy of life, I guess you could say.
1: I had a super similar experience. Like I wasn't super conscious of what I was learning from it until I started to gain an awareness of what I was really doing, you know. It really was just like learning how to experience pain. I think that's pretty much what it is.
0: Do you feel like you're sharing that with people when you guide them through sequences, put all the cues and poses and stuff aside? Like, Do you feel as though you're offering them that that sanctuary to where you obviously got your benefits from yoga and you want to like share that with other people. Do you feel as though that's like translating in the room?
1: I think if I'm lucky, yeah. I can't say that every single time I teach a class, I feel sure that it has translated, but I know that it does sometimes. <laughs> I think a lot a lot of it has to do with where the people in the room are at because it's kind of one of those things where like It's something that you can only really experience if you're like willing and ready, kind of. And a lot of times, I think when people have are like going through a hard time or like they're, you know, at a personal like rock bottom place, which sounds really dramatic, but it's true, that's usually where you're open enough to really go for it, you know. And I think that for me, the more profound experiences in yoga I wouldn't have experienced without going to a really physically extreme place and a lot of people aren't willing to do that yeah and that's not to say that you can't experience benefits from yoga without going to a physically extreme place but I think for me that's where like I've really felt like my soul has like cracked open Mm -hmm. you know
0: how can you tell that people in your class are transcending or having a breakthrough
1: the way they move i think mostly just when people really uh start to engage their body like fully and like use you can see them feeling energy in their body instead of it's usually it's really like in their extremities like their hands
0: like shaking
1: not necessarily i mean yeah maybe but more like, I mean, you know, when somebody has like a limp little hand or like, you know, they're in Warrior 2 and they're just kind of like hanging out. Yeah. Opposed to like feeling what they're feeling and sure. actually like, that's why I always use cues like send energy out your fingertips. Yeah. Which like is <laughs> so weird and funny to say, but that's what I want people to f- feel, you know? So, yeah, that's when i really see something happening is kind of like the way that their way that their energy is in their
0: body and the vehicle to get them there is someone like you constructing difficult postures and sequences rather than trying to meet them in like a sound bowl rain sound sort of tranquil yeah. space it's like let's let's find that meditative Platform via feeling like your quads are about to explode. Let's get <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it
1: is. It's different for everybody. Not every person who's gonna be impacted by yoga is gonna connect with me, hmm. but some are. Yeah, you know. And some people, I'm gonna be the exact teacher they need to help them <clears throat> make a breakthrough. And some people are gonna totally not resonate with yeah. my vibe at all and yeah. that's just the way it is you know it's yeah vibe. it's interesting
0: because on some ways you gotta like read the room mm-hmm. but at the same time you're not gonna compromise what it is that you have to bring to this to the table in this particular situation something that you have to offer like for me I would classify you as someone who I've been practicing with you a lot and I know that you and I gravitate towards the sort of teachers that really push us physically to mm-hmm. the point where we almost fear their classes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And although, like, we'll have our jokes about, like, oh, my God, like, I'm, my, my arms are about to fall off, my legs are about to fall my quads are about to explode, yada, yada, yada. Those are our best classes. And yeah. I think that that is a method of teaching, whereas some teachers maybe kind of a little bit more suggestive like you know maybe see what it feels like to put your arm behind like
1: option for a bind what we're doing in those classes is we're practicing experiencing pain that's what we're doing we're practicing it
0: do you think everybody knows that? no Hmm. do you ever say that?
1: I think I have maybe I should say it more often Have I ever said that to you?
0: No, but I think I get it. You get it. I get it.
1: Yeah. But it's kind of cool when you think of it in such a simple way. Yeah, I mean, my
0: my hope is that... I mean, my hope is I think everyone should do yoga. Anybody who comes to me with any sort of anything that doesn't seem to be feeling right or they're not thinking clearly or they're... (laughs) their finances are going down the drain or something like that. My solution is always yoga, but not necessarily yoga, but just kind of, I don't know, finding that thing in your life, that consistency where you kind of show up every single day to challenge your mind. You know, when you when you get your body to the point where it can withstand a lot of discomfort, it just makes it easier for you to focus all your energy On the resilience of the mind meaning I don't know how to meditate like I can't sit here and tell you that like I know how yoga or exercising or running has been a way for me to reach that meditative state through physical endurance or Mm -hmm. you know withstanding pain or something like that and the reason I was asking you you know how do you communicate that to people who struggle with both of those mm-hmm. physically maybe you know maybe they're a little old or maybe they have an injury but also like they're not even really into the spiritual sort of side of yoga or anything like that
1: mm-hmm. they kind
0: of don't buy any of it. how would you sell that to someone as to how they can benefit
1: So like assuming that they're not already in a class they're just a person <laughs> on a st- on the street. Because I've had people in class where I feel as though they don't buy any of it. And they're pretty completely not into it. As a teacher, you have to be okay with the fact that they might not enjoy this experience. (laughs) Like, you know, you're going to do your best to try to get them to. At a certain point, you also have to, like, have some level of surrender and just be okay with the fact that they might not like it so there's that and I think once you do kind of surrender it makes it better because I think the best thing to do whenever you're teaching anything is to just communicate your passion for it Whenever somebody's, like, really, truly passionate about anything, it kind of becomes impressive, you know? No matter what it is, it's like, oh, they, like, really care about this. And then you, you see how, for me also with yoga, I think I prefer to demonstrate a lot in classes, like, because I want people to see what it might look like to try harder you know to fully engage more and to push yourself harder so that that's really helpful I find is to just try to be try to lead by example pretty much
0: yeah because you're almost like staying true to yourself to be a witness and demonstration that like look look at these benefits that I'm getting from really hanging in there even though it may be uncomfortable it makes me think about musicians and when the boys and I used to play, the boys meeting my brothers and I, we would play. I don't even want to say a concert. We'd call them gigs. Like we would go to a a restaurant or a bar and play in the corner for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, it would involve us just improvising. But one thing that we do when we're improvising is we want to play what's called room temperature. So if it's like a coffee shop, like we're obviously, <laughs> we're obviously not going to go in there and start like raging heavy metal breakdowns (laughs) or something like that (laughs) we're going to play something room temperature like I don't know that that jazz music that we were listening to this morning we don't want to come and disrupt the space so we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable we Mm -hmm. want to make everyone feel relaxed and like we want to create the vibe but it makes me think about how many times were we concerned about making impacts on people or communicating something to somebody like did we compromise potentially getting through to a listener because we were over reading the room like we didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or something like that and I think of yoga teachers as you guys are performers in a way you know the way that you stand up in front of the class and there's a cadence to your voice and it's obviously a routine that Mm -hmm. you've practiced you have to be engaging you have to be i mean the ability to even do the postures and communicate to the people in the class but there's also an element of like making sure everybody feels welcome yeah you know you're not going to be so much of like a drill drill sergeant where you're like well if you don't want to sweat then you might as well leave right now like you're not going to do something <laughs> like that yeah at the same time you're not going to compromise the difficulty level of the class just because you want everybody to feel comfortable You're almost going to meet them with like this real humanistic approach of like, yo, I'm here to help you. And it also helps that you have like a very soft, endearing voice to the point where people don't really know that they're getting like a, like the crazy intense workout is like, it sneaks up on them because it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like you're asking them to do something difficult because you're like open up to warrior two, you know, <laughs> but in that, in yeah, that sense, like, it
1: definitely sticks up on people, which I, I, I think I try to use that to my, I guess my advantage, but to their advantage, you know, to kind of, in a way, trick them into it, and mm-hmm. then it's like, now we're in it, so, you know, you guys are already going, so you might as well just keep it going. Yeah, I always liked
0: hearing those stories about maybe you've had somebody in your class who looks like they just want to murder you and they're like rolling their eyes and they just (laughs) look like they're totally hating the class and then they've come up to you afterwards and be like, that was an amazing class.
1: Yeah, it's usually when people are like really going through it that's when it's a impactful experience for them. It's a big reason why I prioritize having time at the end of class to give like a solid shavasana and i really you know like to do my little body scan meditation thing i think of it as kind of like a gift yeah because it's like i know i just made you guys work really really hard and you're like over it so now i'm gonna like leave you with this and you're gonna feel a lot better you know yeah because who doesn't
0: want that yeah. Who doesn't want to relax and lay on the floor and listen? And
1: it can kind of show you how like pushing yourself is gonna. That, I mean that that's how a lot of people learn how to meditate is, and that's what yoga was designed for initially. Like the physical postures of yoga, the asanas, were made as a precursor to meditation. That's what it was for. Yoga postures were made to prepare your mind to meditate. Hmm. That's why when people like skimp on shavasana, it's like.
0: Yeah, this is like the whole reason we're here. Yeah, yeah, I mean literally. it's tough, and I mean it's tough in the hot classes, cause it'd be hot in there.
1: I know you dude, lose it, dude.
0: <laughs> I am so dramatic in hot yoga classes.
1: Yeah, Ooh. he's a lot.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like also in some ways, there's a little part of me that maybe feels like I'm. Communicating with other people who may be struggling in the class, because I've been doing it for long enough to the point where, I mean, I'm not really on the verge of completely dying, but I feel like it's maybe good to let out those noises of extreme discomfort because someone who else is probably really uncomfortable, be like, oh, it's not just me who feels like they're about to die. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just helping the group. about boxing how's boxing going is that why your teeth hurt <laughs> isabel's teeth hurt as uh, she we were about to get on the mic and she's like my teeth hurt and i was like like what do you mean like you have like a toothache no my teeth
1: <laughs> i don't know what it, that was about i think there's my sinuses you know when your sinuses are weird and it kind of makes your teeth hurt such as me hmm. anyways i think i was having a little allergies because we spent a lot of time outside this morning But boxing is good, love it. (laughs) I don't know what to say about boxing.
0: You've been boxing for like a year now, right?
1: Yeah, a little over a year.
0: I remember when you started that. What do you? What made you want to start boxing? You mad, bro? Yeah. 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 Tell me about it, though.
1: (laughs) For a long time, I had been interested in boxing. I've always liked like boxing movies, to be honest. Like you know, Million Dollar Baby. Um, what's that other one I'm that like, guy?
0: I'm like, name another one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Southpaw? Isn't it just called Southpaw? That's yep. um, Rocky. Rocky. Even though I actually only watched Rocky recently. But, Have whatever. Have you seen,
0: uh, yeah. what's it called? Uh, Cinderella Man? No. Hella good.
1: Okay, let's watch it. Hella good. So I honestly never really watched the sport, but I liked boxing movies. Yeah. It just looked like something that would feel good to me. Mm. And, you know, I like working out hard, and it looks like a good workout. So I was just kind of drawn to it. I don't know. I can't really explain it. It kind of just, like, was, you know, that time in my life around the time that I met you that was a pretty, like, (laughs) (laughs) what...
0: I just met you and I all of a sudden I just wanted to punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you talking about it and I was, it was inspiring to me because I was like, to me, what I knew about you at the time, it mm-hmm. seemed very unlike you. So I thought that it was, not that you couldn't do it. I was just kind of like, oh, really? You want to box? You and I had talked so much about the emotional benefits of doing yoga I was just like, oh, there's got to be an emotional benefit to maybe venturing out and trying something like boxing.
1: It was something I had kind of wanted to do for a long time. And it was something I didn't do, not to be dramatic, but like I didn't do it because I was scared to, you know, not like in a big, huge way or anything. But if you really break down why I never decided to walk into a boxing gym is because I was scared to, you know. Yeah, I was just at that point in my life where I was choosing to do things that made me uncomfortable that I wanted to do, and boxing was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, it
0: was symbolic.
1: Yeah, I think so. It was just like choosing to do the things that you feel interested in, yeah. you know? Even if it's just like a little, there's just like that thing that just like for some reason sparks your interest. Yeah. I just think you should do it.
0: What's it like getting punched in the face?
1: I mean, let's be clear. I've only sparred once. So I don't have a lot of experience. <laughs> but I did get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, just,
0: I, I had to... Your black eye had to come from somewhere.
1: Yeah, I did have a black eye. It, it's very intense, but it's a lot less like, oh my god, I just get got punched in the face. Like it, You don't really even know it happens because there's so much... In my one experience, <laughs> there was so much adrenaline. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel it at all. I yeah. mean like zero pain.
0: Did it make you just want to get back in there and just like give me some more of that?
1: Yeah, well when I really did get punched in the face, I was super gassed out. Like I was fucking winded. Yeah. I could not breathe because I I had been in for like two rounds or whatever so then this girl who was like actually a boxer first of all like has actually really fought and stuff she comes like jumping in the ring and she was just so energetic and i i just had nothing left like i was so yeah exhausted i i mean i was really like my body was fine but i just couldn't breathe so i was just trying to block her so i could like catch my breath and then she punched me in the face a couple times (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, um, it's kind of like I imagine once you get punched in the face and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're probably like, "Well, what else do I have to be afraid of?" Because so much yeah. of our life is like trying to not get punched. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, there's. I feel like if punching wasn't a thing, I would say so much more and do so much more. Not that I want to like hurt anyone, but punching. <laughs> kind of
1: glad punching is a thing, just to keep you in check. <laughs> I just kind
0: of feel like punching that element of the punch, it's good to know that you could get punched, right? Otherwise, yeah, otherwise people I mean, would that be- was
1: like, definitely, you know, again, my one tiny little experience, but that, that round when that girl really, like, was kind of beating me up, yeah. it was good, because previous to that, you know, we were all kind of like, no one was, like, heavily dominating the other person. Yeah. Um, and it was much more of a good-natured sparring session. Yeah. Not that she was, like, way out of line or anything, but, you know, she was able to land every punch because I because I was not doing well.
0: Just completely <laughs> defenseless. <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, Get in there, Theobald. <laughs> Get off the ropes! I was, I
1: was like, I can't breathe.
0: Dude, I can't wait for your first match. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm terrified, <laughs> but I just can't wait to just I don't know, just hold the spit, hold the spit bucket, and just <laughs> throw throw the you towel away. To Give me ring. a silk robe. <laughs> 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 Have you ever seen a scary movie? <laughs> Have you ever seen a scary movie four? No. Oh man, like uh, they make fun of a Million Dollar Baby. Oh. Um, She's. <laughs> she's she's getting beat up by someone who it's mike tyson pretty much yeah but it's supposed to be this like female boxer but you know it's, it's mike tyson <laughs> and she's just kidding like you know those speed bags yeah it's like like that's how that's how quickly he's hitting her head and her stupid boyfriend is like supposed to be her like ring support or whatever he tries to throw in the towel to <laughs> surrender, but he throws it over his head, over her head. <laughs> so she just gets punched even more. Uh, but yeah, do you think you're ready for your first fight? Hell no! I'm i only mean only sparred once. Well, I mean, not. <laughs> I mean, do you think <laughs> that you're ready to start thinking like a boxer now? Because before, cause oh yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, I think. Even from just sparring one time, when when I've just you know trained, it definitely changes the way that you approach things. Cause prior, like I don't know, a, a bag was just kind of like a bag. But then, like when you learn, you know, start to learn how. Did you say
0: you say, like like a bag?
1: Like a bag. Like a
0: like a punching bag. Yeah. Okay
1: sorry yeah like a you know you're hitting the heavy bag it's just like a bag
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but when you say what are you
0: making that face for <laughs> that's just funny because you said big oh shut when up you're, when you're hitting a bag.
1: <laughs> yeah i know i apparently say big yeah. but um what i'm trying to say is when you start to think of the movement of a bag as the potential movement of an opponent it changes the way you approach punching it. <laughs> punching a
0: bag. Yeah. Rather, you're not just punching a bag. It's not punching. just a bag. Yeah. It's
1: like... Because like, the, the fact that it swings back and forth mm. and it moves, that there's a reason for that. And it's to mimic the movement of a human.
0: Mm. I guess that makes sense. Because I've seen people yeah. move around the bag, mm-hmm. around it, but... I just feel like it takes a certain amount of power to even get that thing swinging.
1: Well, yeah, and you don't want it swinging. Like, it's not supposed to be, like, sw- swinging back and forth. But the fact that there's movement, you know, it's if it was supposed to not move, they'd put it on, like, a steel rod or something, you know, and have it attached to the floor. Hmm. But, yeah, learning how to, like, base your movement off of the other person's movement. That's why, like, honestly, dance has been more applicable to boxing than anything else. Oh, sure, yeah.
0: Because you're kind of... People can't see what I'm doing, but... You're kind of like moving along with... It's kind of weird, because you're like... Coordinate your movements along with your opponent. Yeah. Potentially. So you're like trying to syncopate your movements with someone who you're also trying to destroy.
1: Yeah, it's very much so a dance.
0: How do your parents feel about you a boxer now?
1: I don't think they're excited. <laughs> I think my dad and I had a conversation pretty recently um, and I was telling him about boxing. I was telling him that I was gonna start sparring and he wasn't thrilled and I wasn't surprised and I wasn't upset at all by what he said. And then the next day he texted me and kind of like, apologized because he didn't want to come basically he's just so incredibly supportive and awesome that he felt like he needed to let me know that he didn't want to discourage me from doing something that I felt passionate about doing yeah but he just didn't want me to get you know knocked out yeah um so I thought it was funny that he even had a follow-up because I didn't think it was warranted like I totally understood where he was coming from you know (music) Said that when you met me and you, I told you that I wanted to start boxing or whatever. You were like surprised because it didn't really fit the script of everything else that I do Hmm. and am, which is true, you know, because I'm a yoga teacher and I'm a relatively soft-spoken person and I'm whatever, you know, I'm not like super aggressive or anything. But also in my younger years and especially in my childhood I did struggle with anger although I've totally learned how to like deal with that like boxing is for sure an outlet for that yeah yeah cuz like really nothing feels like punching something as hard as you can can and then once you really learn how to like really punch it just is even more satisfying
0: you know I mean, I used to have anger issues too. I don't know exactly where I harnessed them, but when I was younger, probably about twelve or thirteen, I had anger issues. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to to say that. And I don't even know if there were anger issues. I think that I just expressed my anger in very loud, obnoxious, aggressive <laughs> aggressive ways. Like I never heard anyone.
1: Yeah, same. You know,
0: it's just that like I would be overcome with anger and I'd like I don't know cry or scream yeah I don't know when that stopped
1: well I think a lot of it probably for both of us was a hormonal thing you know Mm -hmm. when you're a teenager but definitely something that I struggled with
0: what would you if you had a kid and they had anger issues what would you do would you have them join something like boxing or would you have them do yoga or meditate both the same time <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah get on your mat and punch and put those till. gloves on um I think I would try to figure out what the kid was more interested in actually doing yeah. and let them do that but yeah I would definitely encourage I think like if I could have been in like boxing as a kid that would have been
0: amazing for me yeah, because I feel like you shouldn't just tell kids to not be angry.
1: No, that doesn't work.
0: Like, what justifies a child's anger? If it's something, like, completely irrational, I feel like I would have to step in and be like, it's okay, you don't need to cry because your your balloon floated into the sky. <laughs> like, you can, like, hear them out, but at the same time, if if your child had anger issues how could you communicate to them that like what they're feeling is valid but at the same time like don't scream
1: i mean a lot of it has to do honestly with like emotional intelligence because when you're growing up you have to like start picking up on like what's happening around you and is it appropriate to throw a tantrum right now or not yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i feel like that's something that is super different for every person but hopefully is learned over time yeah. and also like learned by example. Like remember the other day when
0: Stevie Stevie my niece, we were hanging out with her, she thought she lost her little tiny what was it?
1: magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it was it was something she cared about. Yeah. And we asked her where it was and she immediately started Not freaking out. She was panicking like a
1: tiny bit. She was kind of like, we were on a walk and she had this little toy and she she set it down to fix her shoe or something and then we walked away and forgot it there and when she realized she didn't have it, she started to spiral a little bit (laughs) and we just Uh, broke my
0: heart. I know, same, yeah.
1: because I knew exactly how she felt. like. But I was very impressed by her, to be honest, because yeah. she started to freak out, and we did like comfort her, but we didn't really have to do that much, yeah. and she kind of pulled it together. Well, we
0: told her it was okay. We're just like, it's okay, it's okay, but I didn't know where it was.
1: Yeah, luckily I did, because yeah, okay. I remembered her setting it down, so... I was just like, I think it's back there, you know. And then we wouldn't found it. But um, it's interesting to watch a child like regulate their emotions. Yeah. She's pretty good at it. But Stevie's kind of like a little genius. I feel like she's a little bit more emotionally intelligent than most kids. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Little kids are just small people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, or yeah. adults are just gigantic kids.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's I mean, weird, most right? people's most people's adult problems are their child problems. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know how all, all the like inner child work stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you see like videos about that on Instagram? The way that I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, my algorithm is <laughs> okay, a little well, different.
1: That's what's taking over my algor- algorithm right now. But and to be honest, I say it like that because I'm sick of seeing these dumb reels but whatever what's the premise um, like healing your inner child problems wounds traumas whatever to help you become a better person hmm. it's a big thing in like therapy I think
0: okay yeah so is this the root of all people's issues is that they had issues when they were children um, or is it a I mean of- I
1: don't know I'm not one to say but I think that that's the thing that a lot of people seem to be focusing on, yeah, I think for the most part could be beneficial, but I think maybe you can't focus on it too much. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. This is fully not.
0: Yeah, like area. are all personality flaws just your inability to address issues that you had as a child, or yeah. can you end up having new flaws?
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely have new flaws. Yeah, pretty sure.
0: Do you ever feel sometimes like you're on the chopping block in your own head?
1: Like you're just being hard on yourself? That, but it goes
0: deeper. Like, do you ever feel like throughout the day there's something inside of your brain that's like telling you that you're like coming up short on something?
1: Occasionally. Hmm. Not often. Can you be more specific? Well,
0: (laughs) I, I mainly think about it on my days off. Because we work a lot and we have days off. and having days off, you want to do nothing, but you also want to take full advantage of the fact that you have the day off.
1: Yeah, days off are hard. They're
0: tough. And I think yeah. that that is kind of more what I'm talking about is like sometimes it feels like there's this underlying feeling of, uh, hmm, maybe it's this. Maybe it's easy to get confused what your purpose is when you're not having to fit in the things that you want to do around, like, your work, your obligations. Yeah. I feel more positive about my outlook on the things that I want to do if I have to work it into a very structured time frame. Mm -hmm. So, like, when we were talking about, like, you know, I like to be on time, one of the reasons I... Like to be on time is because I've like learned to be on time and work within my little pockets of time to do the things I want to do. Cause you and I were, were talking the other day when we were like, "What is your biggest priority in life right now?" Mm-hmm. Like, I had been thinking about that ever since. And then today, when we were walking around the lake, it was great. It was awesome. And I was like, I feel like I should be like doing something, but I had already like finished all the things that I needed to do, I needed to record that podcast. Mm -hmm. It was like this looming feeling of like, I should be doing something. Do you ever feel like that or no?
1: Yeah, big time. I think I quite recently am starting to overcome it a little bit. But yeah, hugely, I feel like that. And it is usually on days off because when you're working, it's like, well, you know, there's all this stuff I wanna be doing but I can't because I'm yeah, working. I'm so off it's the like hook. I have a fully reliable excuse yeah. <laughs> to not conquer my dreams. Yeah. But when you have a day off, you don't have that to fall back and feeling guilty if you rest and so yeah, no, I totally get it.
0: recently you got a well a couple things at your I guess I'd say more serious serving job or like the one with the more elevated level of
1: boom (laughs) yeah
0: you got an opportunity to start teaching yoga there but also more importantly you've always wanted to do the work with the prisons in particular teaching inmates how to do yoga Mm -hmm. and recently you just got an opportunity or a lead to do that. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. about that at all?
1: Sure. I mean, it hasn't come to fruition. Fru- fruition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fruition. Yeah. Um, but I sent an email. Well, who- before you get into that,
0: do you want to share a little bit about the letter writing that you did with the inmate? Do you want to talk about that? I mean, it kind of sounds like I'm talking about it, but could you sure. share at least... Where that desire to help those people come from?
1: So I have been writing with a guy on death row for like a few months now, just being a pen pal. So where did the desire to do that come from is your question? Well, yeah,
0: I mean, there's a common denominator Um, of like people who are... It sounds like you want to help people who are in prison, right?
1: Yeah, I have felt very drawn to do that pretty much ever since I started teaching. I think I just have had a pretty strong desire to bring yoga to people who it's generally less accessible to. You know, I don't know, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory because they need it the most or, you know, it could potentially benefit them greatly. So... Yeah, it's just been something that I've wanted to do for a long time and have honestly also felt kind of intimidated to try. Similar to like boxing or something. Something that like I wanted to do but was kind of scared to do. Mm. Still am because I haven't started it, but you know, I will. And this isn't too in any way like at all blame anyone for discouraging me from doing it, but I think it's just worth mentioning because I think sometimes when you feel called to do something from an outside perspective, it might not make sense to other people. When I first started talking about teaching, trying to pursue teaching in prisons, the people in my life at that time heavily discouraged me from doing it. In their minds they were just looking out for me and I didn't even realize how much those opinions had influenced me until it had been like a few years and I still hadn't pursued it and then I kind of thought back on that time and I was like oh yeah this was a thing and then I kind of let myself get talked out of it because it was like you know you're so small and sweet and non-threatening I don't think you're the type of person who should do that you know
0: well yeah it goes against human instincts to steer clear from the the margins of society that are considered dangerous and helpless and hopeless
1: so I only say that so maybe somebody listening who like is wanting to pursue something and people in your life might not really get it they might like out of love be talking you out of it you know yet don't be an idiot but for the most part don't listen to them (laughs) like listen listen to your gut and what you actually want to do so yeah i started writing with an inmate on death row because i felt like i don't know i wanted to kind of like start doing something some type of like service work towards people in prison.
0: And you weren't gonna let the fact that you didn't necessarily have a job teaching yoga in the prison because I remember you talking about this when you and I the first night we met, yeah. You brought this up. Yeah. So to see it happening now and then shortly before that, you had told me about writing someone in prison and it was just super obvious that even though you don't necessarily have a job in the prisons just yet you weren't going to let that slow you down or stop you from reaching out to these people once that happened it's kind of crazy that all of a sudden you have let's call it a lead mm-hmm. and an opportunity to actually do it
1: I know it was wild it was kind of like the most in my mind the, the most clearly I've ever experienced like manifesting something to come into your life. That's how it felt, anyways. Um, Because it was pretty random. Or it felt that way, anyways. Yeah. That I happened to know somebody who was already doing this work without me even knowing it, and then she just offered me to do it, too. You know?
0: So, yeah, this was someone at your job who just...
1: Yeah, another server at one of the restaurants I work at, she um, teaches... Yoga at a correctional facility, and she was asking if I'd be interested. And she was approaching it like, "This is a super long shot. I just know you're yeah. a yoga teacher."
0: I don't blame you if you don't want to do this. Yeah, sort of exactly. Thing. I,
1: and then, meanwhile, I was like, "You have no idea. This, this, this is, is all I've been this thinking is my about. Life's,
0: my life's purpose. So now that that's happening, do you?" Has it alleviated any of that pressure that you and I were just talking about, about you living your purpose or doing something that you feel like you should be doing? Like now that that is, I mean, on its way to happening, do you feel any of that? Like,
1: Yeah, I, I think that's what I was saying is like quite recently, I think I've started to feel comfortable in knowing I'm doing everything I need to be doing. That's not to say that I feel that way all the time at all, but... You know, there were like times in my life where I never felt that way. Yes. So to feel that way, even sometimes, is pretty awesome, let alone most of the time. As long as you feel confident that you're putting the majority of your energy towards something that feels aligned with why you exist, then you're fine. And sometimes I feel just... Extremely fortunate, and then other times I can recognize all the work that I've put into it, you know. And it it is both. I am fortunate, but I also worked really hard and gone through a lot to get to a point where I feel that confident with my life.
0: Yeah, because when we met each other, I feel like we were at the same pivotal moment, and I Mm -hmm. feel like we would talk so much. We would spend a lot of time talking about, you know, oh, poor me but also there was so much encouragement and drive at the foundation of everything that we talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, Being a purpose-driven person, I feel like, is a huge part of it. Like mm-hmm. You may not know exactly what you're going to do and who you are and how you feel about things, but I feel like it gets to a point in your life where you start to decide that you are going to be a purpose-driven person. And I feel like you and I were at that moment at the same time when you and I met. Mm -hmm. And since I've known you, you know, I've just got to see you grow exponentially. It's really cool having conversations with you and you expressing the things that you want to do in your life and then actually see them happen is, um, I mean, just as exciting for me.
1: I mean, and same goes for you. It's pretty crazy.
0: I remember we would have conversations about doing a podcast sometimes
1: yeah look at it, we're doing it
0: <laughs> we got the table we got the singing bowl we have the coffee yeah well do you want to wrap this up
1: yeah I think I think we've covered the basics I mean this is one
0: of many Isabel yeah what do you want to leave the people with today oh
1: <sighs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I really just think do more of what makes you happy or not even what makes you happy but what excites you mm-hmm. whatever interests you what makes you feel called to learn more or do more in that area you know whether it's a hobby or it's your career or spending time with your family or I think that the whole world becomes better every time we put our energy towards things that make us light up makes us better people
0: this is symmetry between takes thank you for joining us my name is elijah and this is isabel aka belly (laughs) have a great day bye guys bye